0: It's, uh, last week we um, i'm going to pull a Kevin and sit <laughs> last week we, we spoke about uh, the lord's kingdom comes through his authority and and how when we operate uh, and want to be used of God, it is, it is all through through his authority and um, we cannot move outside of that. We cannot just roguely go, even if it's a good thing. You know, even if it's something that we feel is learnt or something that we've we 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 looked at how Moses, you know, one time struck the rock because God told him to, and then the water came out. And the second time God actually said, Speak to the rock. Why? Not because God wanted to, God wanted to test his his obedience. He wanted to test whether he's under the authority, he remains under the authority, but out of fleshliness because he was angry he struck the rock and he said do you want us to bring water from this rock instead of acknowledging God that he is the one with the authority to actually bring water from a rock. So um, this morning I want to continue sort of with that thing of the kingdom comes through um, and and I want to go into all the statement that the kingdom of God comes through his love it comes through His love. Um, so I want to sort of just put the question out there. What is love? What does that look like? What is love? And you can shout it, shout it out to me. What is love? What's that song from the 80s? <laughs> <laughs> what is love? <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> yeah. hey? don't is love not hurting somebody? <laughs> What is love? Come on, who is my goed. Selflessness, yes. Yeah. Love is, a love is a choice. I like that. Yes. Respect. Respect. Yes. Patience. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Wonderful. Trust. You guys have been churched well. Mike says it's a human version of love. But there's another version that is God's version. That's good. I like that. You want to come preach? Yes. That's good. Obedience. 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 Yeah, by this I know that you love me, is that you obey my commands, Jesus says sacrifice. Good. Okay. I think we can go home. <laughs> so God commanded in, in uh, the Old Testament. First command, you shall love. love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength, and you will have no other God but me. See, this is the greatest command. So, so the Pharisees came to Jesus and, and they said, what is the greatest? And he's, he quoted this to them. But then later on, he came and he gave his disciples something What he said, I'm giving you a new commandment. So by new commandment, he's saying that the old one is not done away with, but it's almost not good enough because of what I'm giving you. He, he said on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, the law of Moses said, thou shalt not steal, but even, or thou shalt not murder, but even if you call your brother a fool, you have committed murder in your heart. So he raised the standard. He said, the kingdom of um, the... Law of Moses said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But even if you look at another woman with lustful eyes, you have committed adultery in your heart, raising the standard. So now he comes and says, yes, you know the commandment that you should love the Lord your God, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. But I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. And it sort of takes... This whole thing about the debt-debtor relationship out of the picture. That, that, that sort of, where love is a response. And I think in many of our lives, we still treat love as a response. Love is still, like, we see it specifically in, in marriage. Where it's like the last place we're supposed to see it. But if you are good to me, then I'll be good to you. If you're doing your part, I'll do my part. Like, if you make food, I'll do the dishes. (laughs) Or if you are good to me, then I will be good to you. If you come home early at night, then there might be a surprise for you. (laughs) If you don't, forget about it. (laughs) But we tend to use love in this way that... That you have to deserve my love. And we see it in the church. Amongst one another. You first show me respect, then I will show you love. You first show me, you know. There's this very good book um, of marriage, Love and Respect, which actually is a, it, it tells a true story. Um, that that it just relates to how men and women are different, that, that women wants to be loved and men wants to be respected. And if this thing is out of balance, then the couple goes into what they call this crazy cycle. And it just goes down and down, or crazy spiral. And you can either go down or you can go up through the way that you treat one another, but it's a response. It's a reaction, which is not the way that God is calling us to love one another. He's calling us to love one another the way that He loves us. Now, He gives this warning in 1 John 4, 4, verse 8. He says that anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. And I realized that two or so weeks ago, someone, I think I put this thing up. It was on my daily scriptures that um, ab- about love, and I realised that you know it the m- the most difficult thing that Jesus ever asked of us, and could ever ask of us is this. And and we we sort of tend to romanticise love, and you know say, oh, it's so easy to love, and you know because I'm a you know, but oh my goodness, it's difficult. Because people hurt us. And people are hurt. And hurt people hurt people. And you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's so difficult. We are, we are dealing... I mean, when Jesus said this to His disciples, he was, he was not speaking to, like, angels. He was speaking to people who had hurts, who had problems, who had parents who might have made mistakes in bringing them up who had financial difficulties who had worries about what's going on you know when Jesus leaves who had stress and he said you know what you want you want the world to see that you are mine that you belong to me love one another as i have loved you so i want to look into that love i want to look at what does that love really mean and uh I want to just throw before I do. I'll throw in. I, I, we've got this marriage course uh, from Chip Ingram that we do, Marriage Built to Last, and he talks about love this way. He, he sort of he says, love is giving someone what they need the most when they deserve it the least, at great personal cost. Mm-hmm. Giving someone what they need the most, not what they want the most. Like my, my, my middle one is already on her, on her birthday list, which is in April. Uh, yeah. She's making her list, all her wants. <laughs> Giving a person what he needs the most when they deserve it the least at great personal cost. And that sort of gives us a picture of the love of God. Now, the, the, the word that when Jesus says love one another and the same word that John 3.16 says that so God so loved the world is, is the Greek word. And I don't want to like try and sound clever, but I, sort of, it's a nice word to remember anyways. And most of you will know it uh, because it's, it's because we're church people. Almost. So agape or agape is the noun. The verb is agapao. And I don't know if you've actually went to study actually what that means. Um, so this is what this love means. It, it's got a, f- a few factors. It is an unconditional love. In other words, it is not a reaction. It is not determined by how you are loved. It is not determined by how you are treated. It's not determined by how someone welcomes you or doesn't welcome you or look at you or treats you or doesn't treat you. It is unconditional. There is no condition to it. I'm not putting any condition of loving you or unloving you. It is an love by choice, an act of the will. Because I know that I don't want to love everybody. I don't want to love the people who hurt me. So I have to activate the will. I will love you. I will give you what you need at great personal cost. Act of the will. It is unconquerable kindness. It is undefeatable goodwill. It is or it never seeks, listen to this, anything but the highest good for a fellow man. So, there is not an inkling or an inch of putting yourself above the other. No place for jealousy. No place for measuring up. You know children when they hand out sweets, may the inward nature claim crazy We don't do that with sweets, we do it with other stuff. We even do it with the glory of God. Oh, I want God to love me more than you. How about we come to church and say, Oh, I want God to bless you today more than me? I want God to bless you with more knowledge, with more of his presence, with more of his... I want, to give, I want to give you everything. How about we treat our wives like that? God is calling us to love one another like this. And here's the thing that I think that we need to get, because if we don't get this, we will not be able to do this. This is how God loves you. Love one another as I have loved you. And unless we receive this, we will not be able to reciprocate it. We need to get that revelation in our hearts that this is how God loves me unconditionally he does there's no condition to his love for me it doesn't say he's not going to discipline me it doesn't say actually he disciplines me because he loves me doesn't say he's going to give me all my wants actually he's not going to give you all your wants because he loves you doesn't say he's going to not be angry because he gets angered when there is unrighteousness in your life because it is killing and stealing and destroying you. But it doesn't take away his love for you, it is out of his love. His anger burns because of his love. God is severe because of his love. It is not mutually exclusive, he's not either angry or loving, he's a loving, angry God. When we move in unrighteousness. Because it kills, steals and destroys. You understand? This is how he loves you. Now if, if we are to love one another the same way. Then our first step, our first response must be to receive this love from him. And move away from the notion that uh, you know what you just don't know what my life, you just don't know what I've done, you just don't know how undeserving I am. I mean, that guy treats me like this, and that guy treats me like this, and that guy. So if all of these people treat me, like, it must mean that God doesn't love me anymore. Because how can these people treat me like this if God still loves me? Our experience of this life is nowhere close. God's reality about us. The enemy wants you to believe that. He wants you to believe that what you experience is uh, is how God loves you. We work a lot with people who struggle through things, and then we do something called the Father Ladder, where we um, literally, you know, look into their relationship with their father, with their mother, and with their siblings um, to try and and break down the lies that the enemy has put because of hurts and because of all that, because how you experience, and that is so good, that is, you know, how we experience God can be directly related emotionally, but not in a spiritual reality, but emotionally, how we relate to our earthly ones, our earthly fathers, mothers, and siblings. am not going to go into, into that. But your healing And your relationship with God and your relationship with each other will be determined by how well you are able to receive His love. There was a time in in my marriage where where, uh, I asked the Lord, oh man, I'm just not getting this right. I'm not getting it right to love my wife the way that you love me or the way that I'm supposed to even love her. And he actually showed me one evening. He said that your problem is not loving her. Your problem is receiving love. Because there's something so deep rooted in some of us that we are not worthy of love. But by this, the love of God is shown. That he gave his son. He gave his son. John 1 John 4 verse 10 says. This is real love. Not that we loved God. But that he loved us. And he sent his son. To take away our sins. He loved first. Unconditional. Reckless love. He loved first. Why are we still stuck? Was a fear. I, I believe we, we are stuck mostly because we don't have a revelation of how much God loves us. I believe there's still this, this the, we still measure the love of God through our life experiences. And we need to come to the place where we where we allow the Holy Spirit, and we're going to go into that verse now, Romans 5.5. 5. So we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, because it is part of life. For we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confidence, hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Other translation says, because he has shed abroad his love into our hearts through the Spirit. The only way that we can know the love of God is like what uh, what Katharina said, is if God comes and pours his love out. Into your heart. But like the word of Johan. And also the word um, of Kaylee and Mike says. That you have to open your heart for it. It will not come through works. It will not come through striving. It will not come through trying to attain it. By doing the right things because then you are placing a condition on it yourself do you understand that that if you want to experience the unconditional love of God he literally almost have to come to you where you have nothing more to give him and I think that is the 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 main problem with most of us you asked um, Friedrich why are we stuck we are stuck because we are still too strong We are stuck because, because we haven't come to the place where we realize that it is only God that can love me. It is, we don't want to come to that place because it kills self-preservation. And then it makes sense when Jesus says, unless you die to yourself, you cannot be my disciple." And dying to self is not just about your needs and your desires and your things. Dying to self is about your strength. I'm not strong enough, Lord, to love you. And I'm not strong enough to love others the way that you love me. I'm not, I don't have what it takes. We must come to that realization in our lives. We must come to the realization and we don't want to hear that. Our flesh don't want to hear it. I, I am I'm a filthy rag apart from you. If your love does not come and fix me, I'm a man that hates my colleagues. Um, That's right. no longer love. Yes. But we are still trying to love. Yes. So it's that fear of, and and the thing is, fear causes you to control, and that's what you say, you know, it makes you that's right. still That's despair. right. So it's it's just that, Lord, what is it that I fear? Reveal those things in my heart, God, and perfect love, you want perfect love, Lord, when you can't stop it. That that's right. <laughs> and then love always trusts. Love always, you know, 1 Corinthians 1, I mean, what does that say? 1 Corinthians 13 says this about love. Love can suffer long. You know, we think patience is waiting in line for people in front of you who's hogging the till. Love can suffer long. The love of God. (laughs) Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not boastful. Love is not rude. Love is not selfish or self-serving. It's not easily provoked. It doesn't speak bad about others. It doesn't get a kick out of evil or sin. Love embraces the truth and justice. It withstands all things against you. It believes good things about people. Oh, we've been life has messed us up. Yeah. I I wonder when Jesus pleaded in the garden with Father to please let this cup pass him, whether it was fear of the physical dying on the cross, or whether it was fear of God leaving him. And that is the fear of the Lord is the fear of God leaving you. The fear of being even for a moment outside of His presence. This is the reality. It's Colossians 1, 21 and on says, You were His enemies, separated from Him by your evil thoughts and actions. And That's the, that, that's the list that, that Satan so readily wants to bring to you and say, oh, you're not worthy, you're not worthy. How can you say, How can you say that God can love you? How can you say that you can be one with Him? Say, so you were His enemies, separated from Him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, in other words, something changed. He has reconciled you, made you one again to Himself through the death of Christ in His physical body. And as a result... He has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless and you stand before him without a single fault. By the blood of Jesus. You know, we must really. As much as we realize that we cannot do this and that we are weak and that we are feeble, we must realize that he made us right. He made us strong. He made us perfect vessels to receive the love of God. This morning, Katharina prayed this verse, and then I sort of knew that we must do this message. Romans 8, verse 38 and 39 says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that God revealed to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. We need the revelation. I want to ask you, do you believe it? And then everyone's going to say yes. Because, ons But we need a revelation of the love of God. We need the Holy Spirit to come and pour His love out into our hearts. And I, I, I want to, I see that we haven't used Nachmal in the, in the worship, which is a good thing. Um, A new commandment I give you, says Jesus. That you love one another as I have loved you. And that is the proof of his love. Not our experience, not our emotions, not how we feel. You know, when the love of God flows from you, it will not come out in the feeling that you want to go buy somebody a box of chocolates So on that list you get the stamp that, said, that says redeemed. It says paid for. It's the, the price is paid. It doesn't say it didn't exist. It did exist. It does exist. We, we are human. We make mistakes. We, we, we do crazy, stupid things. We are in rebellion. We, we hurt people. According to Jesus' standards, we murder Just by calling somebody a fool. He says, redeemed. And I think paying the fine sort of lets us come off easy. But I explained it to the guys in in prison the other days. Let's say you weren't here to pay a fine, but you were here and you were sentenced to death. Which one of you would say, or let's say your roommate was sentenced to death. Which one of you would go and say, I will take that penalty on myself? Not because he was a good guy, not because he's done something well, not because he's done anything good, because he murdered somebody. I will become a murderer in the books of the courts. Put my name on it. That I murdered people. That I raped people. That I... Killed, that I destroyed, that I did all those things, I will put my name to it and I will give you my name that says not guilty. Who would do that? Only love would. He says, Love one another the same. Okay, Deborah. So yeah, we're going to use communion and uh, I don't know if it's possible to sort of uh, just make a one liner out of of everything. But I think for me, what I think we should just, the posture that we should do this is he has shown his love for us through forgiveness of sins that cost him his life. Sort of the one part of it. So thanking him for that. But then taking the posture as well. Lord, I want to do the same. I want to love the same. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. Now help me love. Help me move in exactly the same way. So however you want to voice that to the Lord and spend time around the Lord with that. Um, you're free to do that. So, yeah. Thank you, Father, that through your love, because you loved us first, you have reconciled us to you and to one another. By your grace, Lord. I ask that even in this time to come, that you would teach us your love, that you would allow us to experience your grace and your love and your mercy and your kindness, your goodness, your gentleness, and that we will not experience it to keep it for ourselves and to bask in it. Yes, that we will enjoy it, but that we will pour it out on those around us, that we would love as you loved us. By your grace and your mercy, we ask you this, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you have given us all things, every spiritual blessing of which I believe this is the, the biggest, <laughs> your love. Thank you, Lord. Amen.